1: Exodus chapter thirty-three. Exodus chapter thirty-three. I'll give you a chance to to turn there, while I kind of give an introduction today to today's message. My my two adult children can uh, vouch for the fact that today's message was established. Probably about thirty-five years ago, because the title to today's message is God's presence or presence. And you know, although they sound the same, they're not they don't mean the same thing. When my children would ask me when they were little what I wanted for my birthday or for Father's Day or for Christmas, I would always say to them, I don't want your presence. I want your presence, and was it 's been a big joke in my family for years, and uh, there were years that I only got their physical presence, which was fine <laughs> because they would tell me that that 's all I asked for and then there are years where I get both, which is awesome too. So like I said, this message was established in my heart uh, many, many years ago, but to make application for us, to see what the Lord has for us, there's a similar message there in Exodus 33. Just as I wanted my children to understand, even into their adulthood, that I really desired their physical presence much more than anything that they could give me materially. God also desires that same thing for us and we should desire from him his presence. Now his blessings, as Pastor Joe prayed before we started, his blessings sort of come as as he desires to bless us and we should rejoice in that. That's something definitely that comes as a benefit to those who follow God. But it's really more about sensing a greater presence of God in our lives. And we're going to see today uh, in this chapter that progressively Moses asks God for more and more and more of his presence. And I think for us the lesson is that's what we should desire too. Ask God for more of his presence, for more of an understanding of who he is, more of a knowledge of what he desires, of God's heart. So I hear some people say over the years, I come to church to get blessed, or uh, I left that church because I wasn't getting what I needed. And maybe many of you have had those conversations with people. But I want today to sort of shift our focus from what what we can receive from God to how much of God we want in our lives. Way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had a very unique and special relationship with God. It was a personal relationship. They walked together in the cool of the day. They heard from God as He spoke to them. But... After their sin, something happened. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. What happened? What happened there? They were in a very unique relationship with the creator of all things and yet they desired to hide themselves from His presence. Why? Well, sin. Sin will do that. Sin in our lives will will cause us to not want more of God, want less of God. Because more of God brings to mind our sin. More of God will reveal our true hearts. And sometimes, sometimes, That's not a pretty thing. So they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Our relationship with God is dependent, fully dependent on our desire for His presence. When we're in sin, we don't want God's presence. We don't want to be reminded of what it says in Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, verses 7 and 8, it says, Where can I go from your spirit, the psalmist asks Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. So the psalmist here is is sort of saying, you can't get away from God, but he can remove a sense of his presence from you if you are in sin. See, he wasn't trying to get away from God. He was just acknowledging the omnipresence of God and the truth that, We may be out of the presence of people, but we're never out of God's presence in one respect. See, God's presence has a dual aspect to it. His presence can be frightening. It can be a scary thing when we are in sin. But secondly, His presence can be comforting and strengthening and loving. And that's when we're walking with him. And that's the aspect of presence, the presence of God that we should be seeking for our lives. That aspect of God's presence as a comfort, as a strength to us, to us, as a loving, gracious God. That's the presence of the Lord that we should desire. Throughout the book of Exodus, we're exposed to that extraordinary relationship that Moses had with God. He experienced God's presence in a really very special way, unlike almost anybody who ever lived. Remember when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to meet with the Lord, and God appeared to him in the midst of a burning bush. That was something that was unheard of, uh, that God's presence was manifest that, that way. And Moses understood that that was a special relationship. He desired that for the nation of Israel also. His prayer was for the nation to experience God in a greater way. And I think for us as individuals... And Pastor Joe spoke about revival. Revival means for individuals to desire more and more and more of God in their lives. And when that happens, revival happens. See, the problem with the nation at the time when Moses was experiencing this beautiful, intimate relationship with God, the problem with the nation was they were in continual sin and rebellion against God. And his presence in their lives was dependent on restoration and repentance. It's the same with us. It's the same with us. Do we want his presence Or do we just want those blessings that he can give us? And ultimately, God's promises will always come to pass. Like we'll see in this portion of scripture, where God does not remove the blessings from the nation. Because he promised them certain things. But there will be an aspect of God that's missing from the people's lives. Moses, at the time that we're going to be studying today, had just returned from 40 days on Mount Sinai. He received the Ten Commandments. He received instructions from the Lord for the building of the nation for worship. And he experienced God in a way that few people have ever experienced it. But just as God's promises and covenant is always going to come to pass. His promises to the nation through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will never be broken. God's presence can be withdrawn. And we see, over the centuries, God's presence withdrawn from the nation because they were in rebellion. And we can sense that same thing in our lives as we're in rebellion against the Lord. How much of God do we want? How little of God do we want? We're going to sort of go through that. And as we do, ask that question to yourself as we see what what goes on in this portion of Scripture. We're going to start in verse 1 and go to verse 6. And we're going to see sort of bad news and good news here. It says in verse 1 of Exodus 33, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it, and I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on your way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard the bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments, for the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in a moment, And consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb, Mount uh, Sinai, uh, the same mount there. So we see this good news, bad news type situation here going on in the relationship that God had with the nation of Israel. The good news is I will give you the land that I swore, that I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will do that for you because that's my covenant and I will never break my covenant with my people. But I won't go up with you because you're rebellious. If I go with you, I'll have to judge you, God is saying, because of your rebellion and you're a stiff-necked people. That's a way of saying that you sort of, you know, you're, uh, you're stubborn. You want your own way. You're stiff-necked. It was a very unusual test by God and a response by the people. God was telling Moses, I will give you all the blessings I promised, the land, the wealth, the victory over your enemies. I will give that to you. I can do that from afar, God is saying. You know, when Jesus uh, healed, sometimes he healed from a distance. When God wants to bless, he can bless from a distance. You don't need my close personal relationship for me to bless you, God was saying to Moses. He can bless us just because he wants to. God can bless us just because he loves us. And he does. How many times even in the midst of our sin we see God's blessings? And we're we're kind of confounded at that. Or maybe we even get a little prideful at that. And we say, well, God doesn't care about this sin because he's still blessing me. But God loves us and his desire is to bless us. But his desire is also to have that close, intimate, personal relationship that we understand and sense his presence in our lives. We can say to God, hey God, thank you for the blessings. Keep them coming. I just, I don't want to be too close to you now, but boy, I'm enjoying that new job that you gave me. I'm really being blessed by that, uh, whatever it is, windfall of money or relationship or whatever he's blessed you with. We can say that to God. And the good news is that God's presence, T.S., will remain if he desires to. The bad news is that his presence, physical presence with us or spiritual presence with us, will be withdrawn. So God's challenge to Moses here is, where are your hearts? Where are your hearts really with me? Was that agreement acceptable to them? Think about it. God was saying, I will give you everything I promised. I just won't go with you. And was that agreeable to to the nation? Was that agreeable to Moses? Did he say, okay, God, that's fine with us. We're good with that. We're good with that. You just keep blessing us. You just keep giving us what you promised. And you you, you stay over there and we'll do our thing and you do your thing. And our relationship will be just great. Was that agreeable? Is that agreeable to you and, my, and me? When we think about our relationship with the Lord, how much of God do we really, really want? In verse 3, God says, Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up into, in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Go receive what I promised you, he says. I won't go back on my word. I just won't be with you the way I was before. Do we settle in our relationship with God? Do we settle sort of for the bare minimum of God? Because maybe he'll get in the way of our plans. Maybe his presence will reveal our sin. Do we settle for less of God than what he desires for us? So the Lord gives Moses a choice to put before the people. Turn from your sin and repent. And God will not only continue to bless, but His presence will be evident in their lives. This is real revival. This is what it looks like. It's a people who are sold out, set apart for God because they want more of Him. And it's a choice. It's a choice we make to receive his blessings with or without his presence. And really, if we think about it, what good are all of the blessings of God without God in our lives? Think about it. What good are all of God's blessings without his presence? It says in Luke 9.25, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? What if you gained the whole world, but you didn't have God in your life? What profit is it to us? Now, of course, for those who don't have a relationship with God, we don't necessarily understand that, because we feel like, well, we're doing well and and everything is going is going fine in our lives, and and I, I'm gaining, I'm 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 profiting, I'm I'm growing in in a worldly sense, and maybe there's no need for God in your perspective. Looking at it from your viewpoint, I I have everything I need, I have everything I've ever desired, so why do I need God? But that verse there, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he himself is destroyed or lost? It's a good question. I don't think there's any profit to that. One of the commentaries that I was reading when I was do, preparing this study says, To be given every other blessing is of no value if God is not with you. What is the value of Canaan? What is the value of milk and honey? What is the value of having possessions if God was not with them? They saw that the realization of the presence of God having this fellowship and company was infinitely more important than everything else, infinitely more important. In today's language, we might ask, what's the value of that new car? What's the value of that big screen TV? What's the value of that vacation home without the fellowship of God? I think we could, we should ask that question. But we can even look at other examples of God's blessings that we may not even attribute to Him, that come into our lives without even giving it much thought to where it comes from or how close our relationship with God really is. A healing in our lives or a successful surgery that we've been through that we were concerned that we lifted up to the Lord in prayer. An accident that we did not get into is a blessing from God a job offer or a promotion, a blessing from God, a trial that we're going through that does not last as long as it could or we thought it would. And then any answered prayer are blessings from the Lord. Even the no's we get from God in prayer are a blessing because he knows what's best for us. So then in verse 5, the end of verse 5, back to Exodus 33, it says, Now therefore take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Taking off their ornaments was a way of showing humility and repentance. They got it at this point. They understood and were making a choice For God's presence in a tangible and a substantial way in their lives. Stripping themselves of their outward ornaments, of their jewelry, is the same as, like in the Old Testament, they speak of putting on sackcloth and ashes. It's a sign of mourning. Do we mourn? Would we mourn the loss of God's presence in our lives? That's what these people were starting to experience the loss of God's presence in their lives caused them to mourn. Or would we be just happy with the blessings? And it, it could show up in our lives in our prayer life or in other ways how we relate to one another. Do we serve? Do we, do we give of ourselves? And it's a heart check. It really is a heart check to see where we are in our relationship with God God, and do we want more do we want are we okay with where we're we 're at or want do we want more of God? do we want to grow? So we see Moses meeting with the Lord here, a special relationship, and we have access also to the Lord it says in romans five one and two therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom Also, we have access, access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Jesus Christ gives us access. There is no mediator, the Bible says, between God and man except the man Christ Jesus. We have access to the throne room of God. Do we take advantage of that? Do we want more of God? Then back to Exodus 33 and verses 7 through 10. We see here, it says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. This is amazing because the people were previously in rebellion against God Now they see that their leader is going before the Lord for them. And I love what Moses does here. He pitches the tent outside of the camp, outside of the camp, so as to maybe give us the idea that that how much of God do you want, that that it's not going to be just at your convenience, but it's going to be, how much of an effort are you going to put into your relationship with the lord so he pitched the tent outside the camp so that people would have to put an effort into meeting with god i love the the word tabernacle in the hebrew it's mishkan mishkan and that's literally a dwelling place so there was a dwelling place of meeting a dwelling place where god's presence was there that you would meet with God. You would tabernacle with Him. Can we be counted among those who seek the Lord and make the effort to meet with Him? Or do we have excuses like many of us might over the years? I've heard, I'd go to church on Sunday, but it's so early and it's my day of rest. Or, I'll think about God at other times in my life, but right now I'm just busy with the important things in my life. I, can't, I don't have time for God. Do we make that effort to seek the Lord? And then Moses tested the people a little more. He separated them from the meeting place of God so he could see where their hearts really were. And this sort of put people into two categories. Those who truly wanted a relationship with God would make that effort. And those who just wanted to receive His blessings would just stay in the same place that they always were. Today, anything of value, anything of significance requires us to make a commitment. Are we willing to make that commitment to a closer relationship with the Lord? Or are we okay with the status quo in our lives? That putting the tabernacle outside the camp sort of made a distinction between the seekers of God and the hangers-on, so to speak. Those are just, were just sort of hanging on for the blessings but really didn't want more of God. And they had to go outside the camp and make a public display of their relationship, their desire for more of God. And that's something that we should also not be ashamed of, to publicly express our desire for more of Him. Then in verse 11, it says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So it just wasn't in my notes here, but as I'm reading this, I see Joshua just wanted more of God. He wanted to stay there. You know, Moses was leading the people. Moses had to go back and forth, but Joshua was just, he was good. He was just, he was good right there, right in that dwelling place, right in that, right in that place of meeting. How awesome. It was. Joshua must have said to Moses, Moses, I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to stay here with the Lord. What a great desire. Now, face to face made me think of Facebook. (laughs) How many friends we have. I don't have that many. If anybody asks me to be their friend, don't get insulted. I basically just ignore most of them. But they're really not friends, and it's certainly not face-to-face, right? Friends, relationships, closeness, presence means a true, meaningful, open, and free relationship. Now, of course, this face-to-face that Moses had with God was not a physical face-to-face because no one can see God and live, it says in the Scriptures. So it was a spiritual thing. It was a spiritual thing. And with God, it's even better than a physical thing. And I I believe that's why he had it that way, that it was a spiritual thing. It says in John 4.24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So that relationship You know, we don't see God face to face in our prayer time. We don't see God face to face in our worship. But we can sense His presence, can't we? We can feel God in our lives, can't we? Even though we don't see Him face to face. He can reveal Himself to us in a very personal way. He does that through the Holy Spirit who dwells within all believers. So we get a greater sense of him in our lives. Then in verses 12 through 16, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and I've also, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, God said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, Do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So Moses ramps up his relationship, his desire for more of God. He wants more. What he had even in the tabernacle of meeting wasn't enough. He wants more. Do we have that sense that as much of God as we have in our lives, we want more? We just want more. An awesome prayer that Moses brings. Because in order for us to walk in this world like Moses prayed there, we need God's presence in our lives. Moses said, in order for us to be separate, in order for us to be set apart from the world, God, I need you with me. I cannot do this on my own. I will get eaten up by the world, Lord, without you with me. That should be our prayer. How can we walk as a light in a dark place if the light of the world is not with us? Amen? How much of the Lord do we want? We can sort of stumble around in the dark And think that we're doing okay. But we need the Lord's presence in our lives in a great and powerful way. So Moses presses God here a little bit. You know, we come boldly, it says in the scriptures, before the throne of grace, seeking the Lord in prayer. Moses came boldly to God. In verses 12 and 13, he says... You say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Well, he did kind of let him know. He said, I will send my angel with you. But Moses wanted clarification. What do you mean, God, your angel? Now, I don't know if it says it in your Bibles or not. It should have angel in verse 2 in capital letters. I will send my angel with you. It's in capital letters. Usually that means that it is a a manifestation of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. My angel. But Moses wanted clarification. I love that about Moses. He wasn't satisfied. He wanted more. He wanted clarification. He wanted understanding. Whom will you send with me? We can do the same thing with the Lord. He's okay with that. That's, his, that's our way of showing him, Lord, I, I, I don't understand. I want to understand. I need you to speak to me in this. And that shows that we desire a closer, more intimate relationship with him. And then in verse 14 he says, My presence will go with you, and I will give you Rest. I will give you rest. How awesome that along with His presence comes the rest of God. How tired we get sometimes. Just trying to just trying to navigate this walk. And He gets, He wants to give us rest. We should be asking the Lord for direction and a greater sense of His presence. And it should then cause us to just rest in him. God, I need you to go with me. Go with me every step of the way, every day of my life. I need your presence felt in my life and then I can just rest in you. And I can just rest in you. We don't strive. We don't fall. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't meander in this world. Because he's with us. And now Moses goes a step further. Moses in verse 17. The Lord says to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight. And I know you by name. And then Moses says, Please show me your glory. Show me your glory. This is like the ultimate. This is God revealing himself fully to Moses. Show me your glory. It's a way of saying, I want you to be with me. I want you to be close to me. It wasn't enough for Moses to know God was with him. He wanted to have a sense of that personal, intimate relationship. Now, we may be a new believer And just sort of getting to understand what this relationship with the Lord really means. Or we may have been a believer for many years. But we've never really prayed for a a close relationship with the Lord. More of God in our lives. Either way, it's about hungering for more of God. Are we doing that? We saw first about the blessings that came from God. But that should never be the reason that we desire more of Him. It says in Matthew 5, 6, Jesus was speaking at the Sermon on the Mount. And He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's what our hunger should be for, for righteousness. For they shall be filled, satisfied. We can rest when we seek more of God in our lives? Do we ask God to reveal his glory to us? You know, we just, a few weeks back, just studied the transfiguration of Jesus, where his glory was revealed to a select few. And I love the fact that sometimes God gives us a glimpse, just a glimpse of his glory in this world. We see that. When we serve others. I I, I know that that some of the outreaches that we do from this church, it's evident. God's glory is there. We see a glimpse of it when people are getting blessed because we're being obedient. There's no other feeling that comes close to getting a glimpse of His glory knowing that we're doing God's will. It kind of gives us insight into his heart. That's a glimpse of his glory. That It's just God's grace that he gives that to us. Isn't that better than material things? And this is where our relationship just gets deeper and deeper and deeper with God. When we start to know God's character, we're drawing closer to him. When we start to understand his nature, we're drawing closer to Him. When we get a glimpse of His glory and understand where His heart is, we're drawing closer to Him. So the question at the beginning, how much of God do we want? It becomes a little bit more serious here. Are we okay with just a little bit of God? Or do we want to know Him each and every day? Do we want to know what pleases Him? Do we want to have a sense that he's with us? Do we want to have a sense that we're in his will and we're doing what he's called us to do? What an awesome understanding of God that is to know that we're in his will. And then the last interaction here between God and Moses in verses 19 through 23. Then he said, I will make my goodness... Pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. For no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. And you shall stand on the rock. And it shall be while my glory passes by. That I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So, awesome couple of verses here to understand God's desire for us. I will make my goodness pass before you. How do you see goodness? See, God's glory exists in His goodness. God will show us His glory by revealing His goodness to us. We understand His glory when we understand God's goodness. Psalm 107, verse 9 says, For He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with what? With goodness. With goodness. Are you longing in your soul for more of God? God's goodness will reveal that to you. In Romans 2, 4 says or do you do do you despise the riches of his goodness forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of god the goodness of god leads you to repentance the goodness of god i thought it was the anger of god that led us to repentance i thought it was the wrath of god that leads leads us to repentance it's the goodness of god why because his Glory exists in his goodness. That's how we know God. His goodness. And his glory exists in his name. His name represents his character. His name represents his nature. Verse 22, it says, "...so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by." God's glory and his presence is manifested in his protection of his people. He will put us in a place of protection. How awesome that is. We can rest in that. We can rest in that. We understand more of God's nature when we realize his desire to care for us. says in the Bible, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He cares. God is a God of protection. So here, as we close up, we see that Moses was given a glimpse of God's glory. And we, like I said before, are given glimpses of God's glory. You cannot tell me that when we, when a when hundred school children come into this church and pick up backpacks and you see the smile on their faces, you can't tell me that God's glory isn't there, revealed. You know it. If you've ever seen it, if you've ever experienced that, that's God's glory. Because His goodness is driving us to serve others. That's God's glory. So we see glimpses of that. How much more will we experience when we do finally see Jesus face to face? See, Moses couldn't see God face to face and live, but we who believe live to see Jesus face to face. Let me say that again. Moses couldn't see God face to face, but we who believe live to see the face of Jesus. How much of God do we want? He's willing to give us all that we ask for. And he's even willing to give us a total experience of his presence. Because even in those people throughout the scriptures that understood and experienced presence with the Lord, they didn't experience it fully. But we can have that. How do we do that? There's only one way to experience God's glory in its fullness, and that is to have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. One day we will see Him face to face, if that's our desire not veiled, not concealed, but fully knowledgeable of who He is. How do we experience the glory of God? How, we, how do we experience the presence of God in its fullness? Well, first of all, we need to have those, that veil removed from our eyes. And that's my prayer for anyone today who does not now know the lord because each of us who have believed can just pray for more of god in our lives but until we have god god's spirit dwelling within us we can't ask for more of him until he's there to begin with so i'm going to give you an opportunity if that's your desire today one more scripture in 2 Corinthians 3, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil is taken away. Let's pray.
0: You've been listening to, to every generation i to